Hello everybody. This is Darshan Maharaja with you on April 25, 2022 on episode 5 of our Canadian journey. Wanted to talk about a disturbing topic or maybe I should say more disturbing than my topics regularly are. And that is about the whole international student situation. I've been wanted wanting to talk about this uh, for quite a while and especially in the last week or two when uh, two cases were brought to light not by our media that's one of the points that I'll want to expand on but uh, I came across uh, information about uh, two international students having been found dead and unfortunately there is no detail that we know about it not officially anyway and uh, i hope this topic will be generally um, of interest to my listeners i understand that this is some kind of a niche topic but when something like uh, something extreme like this happens when young people are found dead there is no explanation i think as a caring society and members of a caring society we should be concerned about that so let's get started formally after this music So what happened was uh, that uh, I came across uh, uh, posts on Facebook groups of which I am member. These are local groups, uh, mostly the members are South Asians and they reported that uh, one by one, I think on April 15th and then uh, April 18th, two students were found dead in their, uh, one in the garage in the car and the other one in the uh, her uh, residence now we don't know the cause of death i tried to inquire about this with some good journalists that i know they are open to discussing uh, sensitive issues uh, issues that uh, many in the media shy away from and i was told that media doesn't cover um, suicide cases now in these uh, two instances we don't know if these are cases of suicide or not even the uh, twitter timeline of peel police uh, don't give any information there is nothing about these two deaths and here again i am assuming that the deaths happened in uh, peel region and specifically in brampton although the students were one was in a college in north york and the other one was enrolled in a college in toronto but uh, it appears that they were living in brampton and therefore a complete uh, silence a cone of silence you can call it about these untimely deaths is one of the concerns and uh, i have to ask this uncomfortable question when we are not uh, 
our media is not covering cases of suicide. I get the sensitivity around that. But there has to be some kind of a collection of data so that we can uh, know the metadata, that's the currently term in vogue, that is depersonalized, where we know where they were living, what was the cause of death, and in case it was a suicide, then uh, what led to the suicide or what could have led to the suicide, with the hope that uh, when we know all these details, we can work on solutions. So the uncomfortable question that I have for Canada as a society is, uh, is our uh, indifference masquerading as compassion for victims of suicide? This is an important question to ask because these are untimely deaths. And when I posted about this on Twitter, I got a lot of uh, responses asking whether these are kind of the data is in line with overall rate of suicides or overall rate of deaths. But regardless of that proportionality, we would want to investigate every death and uh, more so about every untimely death. That desire seems to be lacking and that is one major issue that I have. Now, mainstream media for its own reasons doesn't go into or doesn't go much into this uh, uh, this entire situation because as i said the uh, sudden death of a young person is only the extreme uh, you know eventuality that brings the matter to our attention but the whole situation about international students is uh, quite concerning and what happens is uh, because we have built up an environment around this um, saying anything negative about the situation will mark you as a racist if you happen to be white or you can be accused of having internalized racism if you are not white so that thoughts a meaningful dialogue on the issue the starting point on this is uh, what I have said very often that uh, regardless of the stated uh, objectives of a government policy, in fact you can apply it outside government also but more so in government, is that the stated objective will be very different from the way people are using that policy. So all the uh, precautions have to be built into the policy to minimize this kind of other than intended use of policy. Now, I said that uh, mainstream media normally doesn't cover uh, this situation of international students, but I must note an exception. Uh, the Walrus magazine, regardless of what you think about it, did an excellent and in-depth piece. It's a very long piece, actually, because they have covered every possible aspect of this uh, international situation mess, I call it, not even a situation going all the way to you know rural india and uh, finding out how students are motivated to come to canada what is the pipeline that brings them over to canada what kind of malpractices happen 
the thing is highly concerning it should be highly concerning but because nobody is talking about it in the public sphere in canada most canadians don't know it's the people who have roots in the country of origin of the students that are aware but basically and this is my assessment i'm not blaming walrus for this or anybody else what happens is that in india right now the situation is such that people who have good prospects within the country don't want to come to canada so our search with all the increasing quotas for international students and immigration in general has to find other places where people are willing and within the structure that has come into place in the 8 years of this policy being in place emphasizing on international students to come over here then after their studies are over they get a work permit for a number of years i think it is 3 years after 3 years they become eligible to get permanent residency and then they are on their way to becoming canadian citizens this whole thing is now so riddled with malpractice and all sorts of malpractice including giving a false picture about canada to prospective students these students are often from uh, disadvantaged financial background and uh, initially what i heard was that they were raising money uh, from loan sharks the unorganized sector of lending now i am hearing that even the big banks are giving educational loans for foreign studies on a collateral of some property typically land and these are families of very modest financial standing so they are betting everything on one child's educa- education in canada and often times even that all of their financial uh, resources pulled together they barely amount to paying the first terms fees at a community college we are not talking about university here university is easily two to three times more expensive i have uh, tried to look into the data like for example in university of toronto if uh, a domestic student is paying say around 16 to 18000 a year for uh, tuition for the international student it is something like 60000 so you are looking at a very different demographic there but when you look at community colleges private colleges the domestic student will be typically paying maybe around 7000 8000 a year for the studies and the international student will be paying about 20000 to 27000 30000 thereabouts so even the first terms fees barely within the resources of the family from which the student is coming then there are other malpractices for example a family with a bright child probably a daughter um, the daughter has qualified for uh, admission to one of the colleges and then they get a marriage proposal from a uh, rich family that if the girl marries the boy then the boy can come as a spouse so there are a lot of malpractices that are happening but those are at a separate level what happens here and this is uh, 
वन थिंग दैट हैज बग्ड मी फॉर अ वेरी लॉन्ग टाइम विच इज दैट वेन अ कॉलेज इज इश्यूइंग थाउजेंड्स ऑफ स्टूडेंट एडमिशंस टू इंटरनेशनल स्टूडेंट्स दे हैवेंट क्रिएटेड एनी प्लेस फॉर देम टू लिव देर आर रेगुलर रिपोर्ट्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया ऑफ स्टूडेंट्स लिविंग टेन इन अ बेजमेंट फिफ्टीन इन अ बेजमेंट कपल ऑफ इयर्स अगो एट सिटी काउंसिल मीटिंग इन ब्रैमटन two councillors said that they saw even more students living in basements when they were out campaigning for votes one of them said i saw 25 students living there in one basement and the obvious question was did you report it to the authorities because this was clearly a violation of some bylaw but at that point his focus was on not losing the votes of the homeowner and their family so they didn't report it the whole thing there is a group that i know in brampton that has been pushing to authorize lodging houses or rooming houses in brampton so that so that everything can be brought into a proper system there appears to be no appetite at the city council and i'm sure this is similar if not identical to what is happening in other cities across canada with a few ex- exceptions like maybe london ontario so what happens is these students when they are living maybe 10 15 in a basement they can't stay there for any length of time the only time when they go there is when they want to hit the sack so what happens then is that they are mostly in their free time loitering around in local plazas then these are young people we have to understand that so their behavior will be seen as a nuisance by everybody else the neighborhood is upset they are creating loud noises maybe they have removed the muffler from their vehicles and there is a raving i have observed this at night especially on weekends they are just raving their vehicles in competition with each other or playing loud music in their cars so what started out as inattention from everyone in authority including governments and the colleges or educational institutions becomes a law and order problem and then the local residents are upset there are a couple of reports that i have come across in the vancouver sun i think they were by the journalist douglas todd who reported that the maximum resistance to students from india is coming from the indo canadian community but again all these voices are falling on uh, on deaf ears what happens here is that by not attending to the mess that they have created people inside the system are benefiting the colleges are getting their tens of millions of dollars a year the politicians are able to posture that they are being very generous by allowing more and more people to come to canada that has somehow become a mark of nobility without um caring about how these people are going to live here or how they are living here and anybody who opposes that becomes a bad guy in one way or the other either as a racist or as one who has internalized racism the international student is caught in a crossfire they they have it bad from both ends they are exploited at uh, their place of work 
Now, because of the financial pressures that I mentioned, their intention before they even land here is to get as many jobs as they can fit in a 24-hour cycle. A couple of years ago, there was a case of an international student, Jobandeep Sandhu, I still remember the name. He was stopped by the police, he was driving a truck from Montreal to Toronto. And he was stopped by the police and police realized that he was working in excess of the number of hours required and they reported it to CBSA and he was being deported. When the case blew up in the media, there was an argument made that he was being penalized for working too hard, which has a grain of truth to it, but he was working in violation of his visa, which is basically a contract. But why was he working in, in violation of his contract, which was the student visa? It was because of the situation. Jobandeep Sandhu is not an isolated case. There are huge numbers of international students doing this. He was just unlucky enough to be caught. So do we want to address this situation or not? As I said, the international student is caught in the crossfire. But then after maybe a year or two, they are no longer students. They obtain a work permit and uh, they can be paid less. Especially when they are on a student visa, they are paid less, less than minimum wage. So it's just a way of getting uh, cheap labor to a degree for the Canadian economy. So again, there is exploitation going on here which nobody wants to talk about. If you think about their coming to Canada, we are sucking the wealth because the family sold their land or mortgaged it to the bank or to a loan shark and then they sent that money over to Canada. We are sucking poor people's money into Canada. Then we say that international students subsidize the education of local students. Do we want that kind of subsidy? I mean, these are poor people of whichever country, I don't care. It could be India, it could be Tanzania for all I care or Burkina Faso. These are poor people. We are luring them in to a situation where they sell whatever they have and send that money to Canada. And if these international students are really subsidizing domestic students' education, why is the average domestic student $30,000 in debt by the time they finish their post-secondary education? Nobody has looked into that. And then I learned that when this issue of uh, international students in uh, Brampton was <laughs> being discussed at an official level, that happens rarely, the college was saying that they need funding from the city to help uh, alleviate the situation. Well, no. You are making money out of it. You meet out of your own resources, whatever requirements are there. But again, if you want to argue against that funding, it will be projected as if you are against the interests of the international students who are being exploited in every which way, right from housing. If you come to Brampton, you will see lawn signs and uh, other, uh, other advertisements. Um, for uh, their food because they are not in a position to cook in that basement. 
So $160 for a month and then they get two meals a day. There are two kinds of international students. Those who are working two, three jobs, working their butts off and uh, sending money back because that loan has to be repaid. The family has exhausted its resources and uh, they have to earn here, send the money back for the loan to be serviced. Or the other category is the children of rich families who came here either on their own as students or by marrying a student who had secured an admission. And then they are moving around in uh, high-end cars, BMWs and all, doing nothing, creating a nuisance generally. The whole regime of international students has deviated so far from its, uh, its original stated objective that it needs a thorough relook. How are we going to, we already have a housing crisis, we already have a healthcare crisis and Brampton is ground zero in some ways, no offense to other uh, locations that may be suffering their own peculiar kind of hardship. But in terms of hospital bed capacity, Brampton is ground zero. Let me give you some numbers. The OECD average for hospital beds per 1000 people is 5.0. These are 2019 figures. In Canada, it is 2.5. So we are at half the average of OECD. In Brampton, it is 0 0.94. All the people in the city administration who keep approving residential construction are also clamoring about this low hospital bed capacity. Why are you approving more housing? you know that your ratio is only going to deteriorate further from 0 0.94. And this is a common theme when you see, when you look at uh, government policies, they are disconnected from each other. If you must have immigration, 400 and whatever thousand a year plus 400 whatever thousand a year of international students, and then you have refugees and other classes, you're looking at 1 million people a year. Where is your housing policy for that? Declaring $4 billion in a, in a press conference doesn't cut it. You need a plan. Where you are going to build, how much you are going to build, where is your hospital capacity coming up, where is the number of doctors you have, what kind of schools you are going to create. For example, there is a friend of mine in Brampton. He said that when he moved in, his children had to go to uh, school in neighboring town of Caledon because the whole neighborhood had been built, maybe a few thousand or over 10,000 people living there, and uh, there was no school planned. So this is the kind of disconnect that we have. And unfortunately, it also happens in the case of international students. And then they end up dying. It should be a matter of shame for uh, everybody who calls himself a, or herself a proud Canadian that the extreme dysfunctionality of government is causing people to die. I mean, that is the height of being an uncaring society. But as I said, this uh, whole debate gets mired in issues about racism. 
you can't talk about it then you can't talk about suicides because there are sensitivities around that issue and the whole thing is going to get messier and messier until it reaches a boiling point where any um, correction i can't call it a solution but any correction will come from external forces i mean we are usually surprised because we haven't thought about it in time and this is another issue on which we have actually run out of time but if you want to be optimistic then at least we are running out of time and uh, something needs to be done pronto at all levels of government if you have any uh, reach within the political circles in media maybe you can also talk to them about this and hopefully we'll arrive at some kind of improvement i'm not hoping for a solution over a short term because this mess has been allowed to build for a very long time but at least if we start improving then maybe 5 10 years later we will have some kind of a solution uh, that's all i can ask of you right now i hope you liked this uh, presentation of a very disturbing issue do let me know in your comments uh, what do you think about it and i'll see you the next time until then goodbye